Well, hello and welcome to episode number 446 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. In this week's show, one pilot gives his passengers a free light show, two Dreamliners are scrapping, and it's all drone, drone, drone. In the military this week, AC-130 passes gas to a tank, and we have an update on one of the F-35 mishaps from last year. So joining me this week, as always, over in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, and the guy has stress levels of 0.01, it's Matt Smith. <laughs> how rude, how rude. Yes, hello, hello, you all right? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what you do, and this is... The, uh, I know, mean, amazing. again, that's something I would uh, probably deny at this current stage, to be brutally honest. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we're on air, and we started on time, which Nev is delighted about, obviously. Yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> and joining us this week as well, as always... It's our fellow member of the team who loves his cable management and he also uh, very much loves his status with BA. It's, of course, Neville Bounds. Yes, no flying this week, though, but plenty of driving and plenty of roadworks and delays and general funny business. Uh, not, not very good at all, but uh, back to flying next week, I'm pleased to say, up to Edinburgh for a couple of days. But uh, no, it's been a busy week, though, this week. Uh, lots of stuff going on, and we've got lots of news to talk about on the We've show. got tons of stuff this week, After yeah. our uh, very interesting production meeting that we had. Mm. Yes, we have indeed, and uh, it's good to have you back on, as always, Nev. We had, uh, as Nev said, we had quite a, a, a fruitful uh, meeting last Saturday with uh, the PTUK team, and uh, as Nev said, we've got some really good news coming up later on in the show in regards to what we are planning for this year. Those all important meetups and air shows. So stay, stay tuned for that. Uh, Armando unfortunately can't join us this week. He's doing well. He's doing as you all know what Armando does best, which is fly that glorious Hawker uh, jet. He's at uh, flying somewhere over in the US at the moment, but um, I think he's actually getting he's getting the aircraft ready. The minute he guys he did he did uh, he did pop say in briefly, hello didn't he? Yes. he popped in briefly yeah before we went live on air so he's uh, busy getting the uh, he's doing his checks I'd imagine right now getting ready to fly away so we're going to say a big hello to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening and uh, we're going to say a quick hello to who's who's at the top of the uh, pile here we go Richard Adams hello Richard first in the chat room this evening good to see you in there hobby time hello to you our local listener Mazus. hello to you Mazus. good to see you in there as well uh we've got uh, Armando's in there I don't know what he's, he should be doing his checks blimey Arnie's in there hello to you Arnie as well Alan White is joined us as well this evening Dirk Hess hello Dirk good to see you in there Bill Lovely to see you, Bill. Hope you're well. Uh, we've got, scrolling down, make sure I don't miss anyone, Captain Ridiculous Wits. It wouldn't be a show without Captain Ridiculous Wits in the chat room, hey? Good to see you in there. Uh, we've got Masha, the lovely Masha's in there as well, joining us. Good to see you as well, Masha. Uh, John Falk, hello to you, John. Uh, he's uh, joining us for a short time this evening as, uh, as it's, oh, well, as he's in Mexico. Oh, my word. Wow. Well, the as time is there. As you do. Uh, the Same Air as Stig. the US, mostly, I think, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. The Air Stig, hello to you as well. Uh, Air Stig says, time to deploy the mug. Yes. Ooh. Filled with uh, tea and coffee, I know, Dave. Of course. Uh, just like Armando would do. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got Neville Bounds in there, obviously looking after things. Aaron P. Hello to you, Aaron. Uh, Aaron P. says, what's that old-fashioned aircraft behind you, Carlos? <laughs> 
Nice. More on that story later, Aaron. Thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, Lee Davies. Hello to you, Lee. He's obviously probably got a pint in his hand this week, no doubt. I've got Hello, a Vulcan Lee. behind me. Oh, well, yes, I know. There you go, look. So, uh, actually, we've got, we've got some sort of new, related uh, news on what we're doing later this year, which is related to that aircraft behind you, Matt, but more on oh, that later, okay. obviously. What, this specific one or just this particular one? No, not that particular okay, one, but right, okay. one one very similar to that one, actually, But uh, and, and it does take us back a few years. But as I said, oh. more news on that later, guys and girls, more news on that later. But it is at the top of the month. The first, well, is what's the date today? It's the uh, 3rd of uh, March today. And uh, as always, at the beginning of the month, Nev is going to uh, say a special thank you to those people that are awesome. Yes, absolutely, Carlos. And uh, yeah, of course, without your assistance, we could not do this show. So uh, we'd like to thank uh, our Patreon viewers and listeners very much. Uh, this month, they are Sam Dawson, Alex Robinson, Dirk S, Sasha Beer, Stephen Ivey, Nick Codling, Luis Cacharez, uh, Alan White, uh, Stephen Howland, Tanya Wyman, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha Gertz, uh, Ruben Wells, Neil Lamborn, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Jenny Parkinson, Evan Shue, Stuart Backer, Ray Williams and Stephanie Plummer. And for those who contribute to us by PayPal, that is Tony Stubbings, Richard Adams, Craig Urasco, uh, Lee Davis and Mazuz Kareem. Thank you one and all for your superb contributions once again. Many thanks. Yes, and if you want to become a patron of the show or make a small donation, it, all the info is on our website, all the W's dot uh, plain talking UK dot com. I was about to say Park Radio. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh I, lo I, I love how you've forgotten your own website. I know, it's terrible, yeah. isn't it? It's because we're so used to saying it so many blinking times yeah, on the radio. Well, yeah, true, true. Anyway, big thanks to all those guys and girls who look after us each month because it really does make all the difference to the show and what we do. And you have very much helped us with the plans that we've got coming up later on this year mm. which are pretty damn cool i will say but uh, as i said more on those later we've got tons of stuff to get through on the show this week including our caption this uh, which is coming up later on and uh, we've also got this week a very very special segment sent to us from uh, a couple of guys who also didgeridoo a podcast like us I need the sound of a tumbleweed. I really do. <laughs> anyway, if all the team's ready, are you going? After you that ready, joke, not a hope in let's, heck. <laughs> let's do some commercial news. Are you ready, Nev? So this week's first story comes to us from flightradar24.com. And for those of you who may have thought in the past of spending massive amounts of money on that going to see the Northern Lights, well, you haven't got to. All you've got to do is buy an EasyJet flight. Uh, so the headline, passengers or pilots give passengers a surprise, Northern Lights 
flights. So the aurora borealis, or northern lights, have been particularly visible this week over large areas of the northern latitudes. Normally only visible by, uh, to one side of the aircraft, a few pilots have given all their passengers a view with mid-flight 360-degree turns. Air Baltic posted a spectacular shot of the Northern Lights over the Baltic Sea, captured by its crew while performing flight BT-214 from Berlin to Riga. And the passengers aboard a Finnair flight 488 from Kosamo to Helsinki were also treated to some stunning views. Also, pilots on an EasyJet flight 1806 from Reykjavik to Manchester also made a 360-degree turn southwest of the Faroe Islands, so their passengers on the right-hand side of the aircraft could also take a look at the aurora. EasyJet also collaborated with the charitable organisation Airability and hosted a unique aurora flight to raise funds to help disabled flyers to have more access to flying. The special flight took off from London Gatwick on February the 18th and flew 61 degrees north just south of the Faroe Islands. Guests of the flight included Sky at Night presenter Pete Lawrence and multiple uh, northern light experts from the British Antarctic Society. According to Breaking Travel News, Lawrence provided in-flight commentary for the 122 passengers on board who were also entertained by live music on board by Steve Young and Marcus O'Shea, head of fundraising marketing communications at Airability, commented, thanks to all the support from EasyJet, the Aurora flight is one of the highlights of the calendar. Not only does it generate funds to support disabled aviation, but it also delivers the magic and wonder of seeing the Northern Lights from the sky, a truly unforgettable experience for everyone. Now, I know people who have paid a lot of money to go and see the mm. Borealis Lights. And I'll tell you what, if you've paid you know 80 quid for your easyjet flight and you've got this experience on board an aircraft because you know you can see it from the ground obviously but uh what an experience to be able to see that from the sky you know from the air rather than on the ground yeah absolutely and of course uh, let's not forget across the east of england here um friend of the show dan holly i mean he posted some pictures that he took uh so he's in our same part of uh, south norfolk uh, and he's got some absolutely stunning ones, not with the green glow, which I thought was kind of interesting, actually. It had more of a, like a red tinge to it, which was mm. absolutely fascinating. But, of course, he's quite lucky. Again, like we are, we live in a part of the world where light pollution is not a huge thing. Um, and, yeah, it was actually visible right here, uh, both on uh, Sunday night and Monday night. Um, uh, I, unfortunately, I didn't have my phone with me, otherwise I'd have taken some photos as well. But it was it was quite, I mean, it was a little bit on the dull side. But again, if you've got, like, the technology to sort of make the, you know, the, the old iPhone does a very good job of, like, doing pictures in the dark and stuff. And, um, yeah, absolutely stunning. I mean, as you say, many people have spent a small fortune trying to, to see oh, yeah. these things. And it was available right here. Uh, right here in the east in of the England. UK? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Have, crazy. have you had a, a chance to see these, Nev, in your in your lifetime? Uh, not quite. No, well, I did go quite north of Sweden um, many years ago, and it was fairly. Um, yeah, the nice thing about that part of the world as well, a bit like the rest of Scandinavia, there's not much light pollution, so it was possible to see some of it. But nothing like we've seen in the last uh, couple of days, though. Absolutely spectacular. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so food for thought, guys and girls. For next time, um, well, when the conditions are right, just book yourself uh, an EasyJet flight or um, <laughs> another one. Save, save your fortune. Yeah, save your absolutely. Fortune. Small fortune, indeed. 
So Matt, next story for you, and uh, it, don't uh, don't drone on too much, will you, please? <laughs> Again, uh, 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 producer John, who is actually with us this evening, uh, please can you find me a uh, tumbleweed sound effect so that I can have that in the file? Please, I'll leave that with you. Uh, yes, the next story, story number two. Uh, it's been a while, I think, since we've had a. Uh, uh, is it? Is oh, it's drones, isn't it? Oh dear, I thought it was because uh, it because it, it was Irish websites and stuff. I immediately assumed it was Ryanair. Obviously not. Three flights diverted from Dublin. Uh, yeah, okay, I don't know what happened there. Sorry, something just went really strange in my ears there. Uh, sorry, three flights diverted from Dublin Airport after a drone sighting. Uh, the um, okay, I'm just going to have to do something. Sorry, because it's not working properly. Bear with. Uh, sorry. Okay, uh, <laughs> three flights diverted from Dublin Airport after a drone sighting. Dublin Airport was forced to suspend flights for 30 minutes a Thursday night due to a confirmed drone sighting. The event marks the sixth such suspicion since early January due to drone activity. Ryanair's flight from Stansted to Dublin was diverted to Shannon and Emirates flight from Dubai to Dublin uh, was diverted to Shannon and a Ryanair flight from Budapest to Dublin was diverted to Belfast. Uh, the diversions have led to increasing calls for anti-drone technology which many European airports already have. Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary says there is no need for legislation to allow the use of anti-drone technology at Dublin Airport, adding that the Minister for Transport should make a decision to allow the use of such technology. He should make a decision to take drones down. Who's going to sue him? The drone operators? Transport Minister Eamon Ryan responded, responded that the solution is not as simple as suggested by O'Leary. He said he would uh, bring a memo to Cabinet next Tuesday to address the issue, but that the solution would not come into effect immediately. The current technology in place at Dublin Airport can detect the drones, but lacks the ability to use it to bring down said drones uh so i mean this is an interesting one really uh i mean i've i'm very lucky that i've got a drone um but uh i mean i guess carlos it's like i mean what, what do we think about this because i mean obviously the the impacts on flights are it, it's obviously becoming an ongoing problem yeah i mean we've seen this not this not just at dublin we've had this happen here in the uk where they've shut down um heathrow and i think gatwick as well had gatwick their issues thing, uh, with this yeah gatwick had this uh i'm not sure if stans has had the problem yet but it, the problem is when they have this kind of issue that is a less shutdown that's it as soon as they're spotted it is a complete shutdown and it does have a massive knock-on effect not just for that particular day but a knock-on effect right through the um, right through the rest of the sort of schedules for the week but you know that is something they have to do because the last thing you need is an engine ingesting even though they're small i mean the drone you've got matt is um what's about uh probably what about 20 25 30 centimeters wide uh you no know, it's probably yeah 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 it's pretty yeah it's probably slightly bigger than that i would say probably yeah probably nearer sort of the 50-ish mark um but because it, yeah, it's quite a big one it's not heavy by any stretch of the imagination no. um but it is the you know it is uh, um it's under the five kilos which is the requirement you need to not have a commercial license for it at least but uh, yeah i know they've done some tests i think it was last year or the year before they've done some tests um um with 
aircraft fuselage or in, in, in engine intakes and stuff, and they kind of, you, you know, they used to do with the chickens years ago. They used to fire the chicken, the frozen chicken, into the engine to test the uh, fan blades. Yes. Remember, yeah, yeah. Remember those, remember those days, Nev. Um, <laughs> but they they actually done it with um, done yeah. it with various different sized drones and oh UAVs. Mm. Um, as we probably should call them, really. But uh, it's surprising the amount of damage that something even very small does to uh, to an aircraft, especially an engine. So, I mean, do we do we think that uh, legislation is going to... I mean, is it something that's needed, or is it uh, just that the police... Uh, well, not so much the police, but the airport itself needs to um, police its own boundaries, essentially? I think that the law already exists, for any of this, regardless whether it's a drone or not, mm. that's interfering with the safe operation of an aircraft. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, End of. absolutely. And we should be nicking people left, right, and centre, but we're not. Uh, and uh, this just is going to go on and on, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and mm. now I do concede it is quite difficult to track down the owners of some of these things, but uh, we've got to find a better way of doing this stuff. Uh, I, I believe. Indeed. So, I mean, we've got other challenges as well, of course. We've got the challenges involved in trying to bring down the drones and the limitations of the current technology. Um, but, I mean, I mean, what, what is that technology? Is that where it basically, you can sort of, it's like a kill signal, if you like, that just makes it fall out of the sky? What right. is it they, they call them on the films? An EMP? Yeah, EMP, isn't it? It's a power EMP strike, kind yeah. of thing, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's... Uh, uh, I, I, John's actually saying that there's uh, issues. Uh, there's issues with the law, uh, with regards to the radio usage and the frequencies involved. Um, but mm. um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a difficult one. Uh, I mean, w but what I mean, what can they do? I mean, what can the airlines do, for example, uh, to deal with um, to deal with these things? I, I suppose I don't think it's it's not on the airlines. I think at the end of the day, it does fall down to the airport to to um, provide a mm. a level of security when it comes to these sorts of things and perhaps what it is it does need is increased um mm. activity you know with with security officers going around driving around the perimeters and stuff like that or near the airports and to to spot or spotters or, or you know people yeah. who people who are specifically trained and have the tools to spot these kind of things perhaps that's a but of course, there are very strong, uh, there there are very important, you know, there's very strong uh, legislation in place already in terms of how high you can flow these dr fly mm. these drones. So as long as you're adhering to the boundaries, if you like, of the airspace around the airport, I mean, the planes climb really fast, don't they? There's no two ways about it. So in a very short period of time, they should be well out of the way of any drones that are being fl flown legally. But then I guess the whole problem here is people flying drones you know uh, in the in when they shouldn't be you know where they're breaking the law literally mm. richard adams news on that later yes <laughs> i was just i'm going to say something which is i realize slightly unpalatable so i, I do apologize in advance but like so many of these things whilst we uh, try and mitigate the uh, the dangers and all the rest of it it's probably going to take an incident a proper incident of some yeah. sort before somebody starts taking proper notice of this stuff. Um, mm. I, I hope that incident is no more than an engine failure and the aircraft is able to come back around and land safely and all the rest of it. But what, whatever it is, it, I just get the feeling that mm. um, there is not enough attention being paid to this. No. Um, Indeed. And, uh, I'm afraid we've been saying this for 
at least two years now on yeah. this show. Yeah. Uh, that one of these days there's going to be a big moment somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Tony S is saying there's no need to be uh, there, there needs to, sorry he's saying there needs to be stringent prison sentences issued to get the message out loud and clear. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that, yeah. isn't there? Absolutely. It's so. Um, yeah. We've actually got another drone story next, oh. haven't we, Nev? We're not we're not stopping there. Well, and of course, funnily enough, I mean, Tony's point is is made very well in this very next story for reasons which will become clear. It's on the BBC.com. Uh, forward slash news website man fa fined for flying drone near world war ii hurricane aircraft uh, a 49 year old man mark baguley has been fined three thousand pounds and given a six month suspended prison sentence for flying his drone close to a hurricane air force uh, hurricane aircraft during a fly past in buxton in the uk baguley was aware that the fly past was due to take place but flew his drone to film the Buxton Carnival, which was taking place at the same time. He is thought to be the only the second person prosecuted in the UK for flying a drone near an aircraft. I'll just leave that thought with you for a moment. <laughs> uh, according to police, between uh, 15,000 and uh, 15, 20,000 people were present at Buxton at the time. Neither police nor the pilot of the hurricane knew that the drone was in the sky at the time of the flypast, which was on uh, 9th of July of last year. The drone in question was only discovered because a member of the public who had been uh, photographing the hurricane from the ground noticed the drone and reported it to the CAA, who then instructed the, pilot, the police to investigate. Police searched social media in order to find out who might have been flying the drone and found aerial images Bagulay had taken of Buxton Carnival that day. The flight data from Bagulay's drone was overlaid with the flight path of the hurricane, which proved that Bagulay's drone had been the one near the hurricane. He initially denied the offences, but admitted to them when presented with the evidence. Uh, the hurricane is one of only 12 airworthy hurricanes in the world and that this particular aircraft was considered priceless. The hurricane was uh, one of two operated by the uh, Battle of Britain Memorial Flight based at RAF Coningsby in Lincolnshire. Bagulay pleaded guilty to endangering, endangering an aircraft at a previous hearing and admitted to uh, operating an aircraft out of the visual line of sight. He also admitted that he knew about the NOTAM, which had been issued to warn people about the flypast after checking a drone safety app, but claimed he thought he had time to film the carnival before the hurricane flew over. In a letter of apology that was read out during the hearing, Bagalay stated, I owe the pilot an apology for unnecessarily putting his and other people's lives at risk that day. I can only thank God that no collision occurred. Well... If you look at the um, the sanctions for this, three thousand pounds fine mm. and a six month suspended prison sentence, so he's not even going to jail, right? Uh, as long as he behaves himself for the next six months, I, I, I just think that the that the fines and the uh, the penalties are woefully inadequate for this kind of. Prison. I mean, my my big issue with this as well as you saw saying, you know, I was I was only filming the. Um, I was only filming the carnival and all that kind of thing. And yet at the start of that story, it's going into great detail about how he'd overlaid the footage from his drone of the fly past of the aircraft. 
And it's well, just yeah. like, oh. And he, he denied it all until he was presented with the evidence. Yes, quite, mm. indeed. Uh, what it does for me, though, prove is that that certification, you know, when you do the tests and you have your little operator ID um, and, and uh, craft uh, IDs, you have an operator ID as the person flying the plane uh, or, the, or the drone, but you also have, like, an identi a, a unique identifier for the drone as well and it that's obviously working they were able to successfully track them down i think that's brilliant i think that's uh, that shows it works yeah that's that's certainly a, a step in the right direction mm. but i think the penalties associated with it are wholly inadequate mm. uh, and uh, i think uh, examples need to be made of people and also it has to be a deterrent surely um, you think so yeah. yeah absolutely indeed Bring back the stocks, I think. <laughs> you know, I mean, in the... Yeah, in the, in the, option, the, yeah. 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 Rotten fruit and veg, you know, that's how we need. Probably not veg, because we're short of that in the UK at the moment. We are, definitely. But, um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, actually... Uh, producer John is saying in Ireland, if those drone operators are caught, uh, it'll be a mandatory prison sentence starting at two years to life. There you go. Yeah. So it looks like they're taking it much more serious because you're endangering an aircraft and the and the uh, outcome could be, um, you know, very, very significant. I, I would argue maybe that the particular aircraft that we're talking about here with its propeller, I'd like to think it wouldn't necessarily cause too much harm to said uh, machine. You know, the, the drone will be dust, I think. But because uh, I, I guess you've got a minimal risk of it being sucked into an engine in that particular Oh, uh, environment. Know. Oh no! I, I think uh, broken propellers and and all the rest of it. True. Uh, that's, true. Uh, that's not where you want to be. No. Good point. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Well made. Yeah. Even okay. if those aircraft are very well made aircraft. Well, true. Yes. They are. Yeah. Bulletproof. Some might say. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, next story, and this comes to us from FlightRadar24.com, and the data in the news item is generated by Flight Radar 24 through ADSB data collected by the site. And this is all regarding uh, yet another close call, uh, which has happened. I think we, we seem to cover one of these each each week, guys, on the show. It's like a, a weekly weekly occurrence. Uh, the FAA is investigating a close call between a hop a, a hop a jet Learjet 60 and a JetBlue E190 on, in Boston on the 27th of February. According to the FAA, the Learjet departed runway 9 without authorization while the E190 was landing on runway 4 right. The two runways intersect near the touchdown points for each runway, and according to ADSB data received from each aircraft at uh, 23.54 uh, local time, the aircraft were 531 feet apart. Uh, with the Learjet clear of the runway intersection. Uh, when the Learjet was still in the runway intersection, ADSB data indicated the closest the two aircraft came was approximately 565 feet, which when you're looking at large aircraft with a wide wingspan, that's not that far. A hop A jet, Learjet 60, which was departing Boston Logan's Airport for a flight to Fort Lauderdale, the aircraft uh, taxied to runway 9 with instructions to line up on the runway for departure and hold its position to wait for the arriving JetBlue flight to land. Instead of holding position, the Learjet immediately began accelerating for takeoff as soon as it lined up with the runway centerline. 
The Learjet was travelling at 82 knots and still in the intersection of runway 9 and runway 4 right, while at 23.54 the JetBlue E190 was passing the runway 4 right number markings, approximately 565 feet away at the a ground speed of 132 knots. A, uh, the Hopjet Learjet continued its departure and arrived in Florida two hours and 50 minutes after the takeoff. And the JetBlue E190 conducted a go around and landed safely 11 minutes after the incident occurred. Now, the FAA statement, uh, which was released, uh, said the FAA is investigating the close call between the Learjet and the JetBlue flight. Uh, which was a night flight at Boston Logan International Airport. According to a preliminary review, the pilot of the Learjet uh, 60 took off without clearance while the JetBlue Flight 206 was preparing to land at an intersecting runway. The incident occurred shortly before 7pm Eastern Time and air traffic controller instructed the pilot of the Learjet to line up and wait. That's the most important uh, thing there, line up and wait on runway 9 while the JetBlue Embraer 190 landed on the runway 4 right, which intersects with runway 9. The Learjet pilot read back the instructions clearly, but began his takeoff roll instead. The pilot of the JetBlue aircraft took evasive action and initiated a climb out or a, a, a go around as the Learjet crossed the intersection. Uh, the Learjet, which was operated by Hopjet, uh, which is a private charter company in the US and the FAA will determine the closest proximity between the two aircraft as part of the investigation. Now I, if you are a metal, if you're subscribed to uh, VASIM uh, Aviation on YouTube they have the um, the ATC recordings, lifeatc.net as well have the recordings on their website as well to listen to it was um if you, I don't know if you heard these but they you know everything was kept very very calm when this happened mm -hmm. I don't know about you Carlos I I know that a lot of US airports are set up like this but I'm not a fan of these intersecting mm. runways when the, all, there's operations going on on all of them all of the time and obviously I don't know the first thing about ATC, so I'm hardly the one to criticise people, but it just seems that it brings an extra element of difficulty if people aren't concentrating, whether it's the ATCers or whether it's the pilots or whether it's the readbacks, whatever it is. Um, just seems just seems that it, it's a recipe for a problem. Uh, now, obviously, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not a problem at all, but there, there have been incidents previously where... Uh, people have misread uh, instructions or have misinterpreted instructions and have ended up uh, getting very close, uh, getting together very close with another aircraft at the intersecting point of the runway. Now, before we got, uh, before we were on air uh, earlier, because Armando was here uh, earlier, and he was saying, interestingly enough, because uh, one of the thing, one of the comments that I made is, I felt like this seemed to be happening an awful lot, and actually Armando sort of chipped in saying, actually, the frequency and the regularity of these things taking place hasn't really changed much. It's just that for some reason. Uh, whether it's just because the media has got you know the the sort of their teeth into it now we're hearing these stories more and more um, but apparently from certainly from the the data that Armando have been looking at um, the frequency if you like of these incidents isn't any 
you know, any higher than it had been previously. It's just that for some reason the media are now showing an extra interest in these things. And I guess we can say that about a lot of stories, isn't it? Where you'll get you'll get loads of punch up stories, for example, that are appearing in the media really close together. Uh, mm. And uh, it's actually it's about you know the frequency is still about the same. It's just that because there's been one or two reported in the papers, there's oh goodness another one. Let's let's cover that. But um, as you say, it's uh, none of us really know enough about um, how um, you know ATC works in America, and I guess that's one of the reasons why we're sad not to have Armando with us uh, for this one, because I'm sure he'd be able to share a lot of very useful data with us on mm. it. But um, let's yeah. let's not forget what happened. Do you remember Nev back in uh, March 1977? Uh, oh, over in Tenerife. Tenerife, yes. Um, I mean, that was a slightly different situation because there was one. Well, Runway, weather yes uh, and very poor visibility and a bit of get home itis from the captain of the klm 747 mm. um but nonetheless you know, misheard communications stuff, stuff mm. can go wrong absolutely yeah yeah that, that was at the time that was one of the i think it is one of the biggest aviation disasters in i in think history. it remains yeah. the biggest loss yeah. of life uh, in any aviation 583 people died that day matt yeah horrific yeah well, two two seven four sevens near that again absolutely mm. no indeed so matt you've got uh, the next story and it's good news if you are living in australia right okay i mean other other than the fabulous weather you mean oh, other than yeah. having stephen grant there you <laughs> good know, point you. well made more about them later uh we'll take uh the a look at the headline then it's Qantas is to hire eight thousand five hundred new workers and they're going to launch and engineering and they're going to be launching their own engineering academy uh flightglobal.com is the source of on this one, Australian airline Qantas has announced plans to hire an additional 8,500 staff over the next decade in its first major recruitment drive since the company underwent a restructuring exercise in 2020, which resulted in the dismissal of thousands of employees. The hiring spree will include pilots, engineers, cabin crew and airport staff and comes as Qantas commits to expanding its fleet by more than 300 aircraft in the coming years. Uh, the airline group, which which includes both Qantas and low-cost carrier Jetstar, expects to have around 32,000 employees by 2033, up from its current 23,500. Separately, Qantas will also establish an engineering academy to train future aircraft engineers, with the first intake of students set to start in 2025. And Qantas says it is in talks with unions and the industry to finalise how the academy will operate. The group estimates it will need around 200 new engineering recruits every year, higher than the current national aviation engineer supply. The recruitment drive comes after a series of operational issues for the airline group last year, including record flight cancellations, lost baggage and long airport waiting times, which were largely caused by a shortage of staff so it's predominantly good news this one isn't it i think I, I mean this is happening in australia but of course it is happening in a lot of airlines across the world actually isn't it where where recruit where recruitment is very very prevalent at the moment uh I mean, do we think that australia is growing any faster perhaps um, well, i think so yeah than, now, than now here that, yeah i think certainly now that the um 
the, the main sort of tourism businesses back, um, you know, that, which they've not really had properly for the last two and a half, three years. So, yeah, I think there was always going to be some uh, natural growth anyway, but this is probably a bit of a catalyst mm. uh, for it. But, uh, no, it's, it's great news, isn't it? Lots mm. of uh, new employees and lots of new jobs. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, there's certainly lots of, um, you know, pay incentives and and uh, working condition uh, benefits, if you like, I suppose, to working for some of these airlines. And I'm sure it's the same with a lot of the airlines across the world. Like, I mean, I know Emirates have got some good packages. BA know how to look after their staff, don't they? If, if only, if only for like travel perks and things like that. Yeah, I think Qantas have um, re or re-energised their 380 fleet, haven't they? As well, Nev. I think they've brought yes. their their 380s back back online. So obviously, the 380 needs a few more um, crew than a, than you know a normal you know triple um, seven. I must say, when I was uh, boarding my 380, or just before I boarded the 380 <clears> at <throat> um, uh, Terminal Five the other week, uh, when the crew turned up. You think that the whole of uh, BA's um, uh, cabin crew have just turned up to operate this flight. There are a <laughs> lot of cabin crew. Uh, and there were th three or four pilots? Yeah, th three pilots, because uh, it was over eight hours, obviously. But there's a lot of cabin crew on this A380. I don't know. I can't remember how many it was. Perhaps John can remind me how many you have on an A380. It seemed like about 15 or 17, something like that. But yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Gosh. Um, oh, oh, 21, oh, we're we, being we told. Think, we think more than 20. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 19 at an absolute bare minimum, John is saying. Uh, wow, indeed. Uh, and that, that's just 10 to look after Nev when he's on board. Good point, well made, absolutely. Yeah. Very, you know. High, high stand no high standards is the word you're looking for there Nev. high standards <laughs> yeah indeed <laughs> anyway moving on nev you have got the next story all about virgin yes virgin atlantic has become the latest member of the sky team global Air, uh, airline alliance formally entering the group on 3rd of March uh, 2023, just, just uh, today, in fact. Uh, the UK-based airline joined Sky Team's transatlantic joint venture partners Delta Airlines, Air France and KLM as its uh, first new member airline in eight years uh, and the first in the UK. Uh, British Airways, a founding member of the rival One World Alliance, is the only other UK member of a global alliance. Virgin Atlantic's uh, CEO, Shay Weiss, said that the move was an important milestone in achieving the airline's vision to become the most loved travel company. The move marks a significant development for both Virgin Atlantic and Sky Team. For Virgin, joining the, uh, the alliance provides greater connectivity and maximises the opportunity for its frequent flyer programme members. Uh, for Sky Team, adding Virgin Atlantic as a member gives the alliance access to the airline's most popular destinations, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as enhancing its network in the UK. Virgin Atlantic Flying Club Gold and Silver members now receive reciprocal elite recognition when flying with other Sky Team member airlines. Uh, gold members get Sky Team Elite Plus status, while Silver members get Sky Team Elite status. Uh, other Sky Team member airlines elite members receive reciprocal elite recognition when flying with Virgin Atlantic, including reciprocal lounge 
access. I must say, I thought they already had that. Uh, I know that um, certainly Virgin and, and Delta were doing a lot of tie-ups anyway, but obviously this is now an official alliance so that they can use each other's language and that kind of thing. So it's actually probably more likely to be code-shares, code shares, uh, John says. So, yeah, that's true, actually, isn't it? Uh, so uh, that's probably good news, certainly from a connectivity point of view. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, yeah, that they've probably needed to be part of some alliance for some time. Obviously, they were, they were never going to be part of One World uh, with their bitter rivals, British Airways, in that. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's good news, I think, for them. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I've, I've flown the Virgin Atlantic a few times, but, um, yeah, it's, good. It's, it's about time they joined some sort of uh, club, hmm. as to say. Uh, next story. And uh, I can see why John has put this story in for me here. I better get my credit card ready. Um, this story comes just from Aviation Online and Airways Mag and AeroTime.Aero. And two Boeing 787s that were operated by or operated for Norwegian, the first commercially operated Dreamliners to be scrapped. Yes, you heard me right. They're actually going to be scrapping the first two 787 Dreamliners. Kind of, says John. Well, they're scrapping these. Anyway, they've made, they've made news. So I have my uh, card ready to, uh, to go online and buy some bits. Did the wife hear that? No? Okay. Uh, Dublin-based aviation asset management and trading company EIR Trade Aviation will manage the dismantling of two 787-8 aircraft that have been retired from commercial service. Both aircraft, registrations uh, Lima November, Lima November Alpha, MSN 35304 and Lima November, Lima November Bravo, MSN 35305, operated for Norwegian Airshell, have been in storage since 2019. AirTrade will disassemble the aircraft simultaneously with the spare parts expected to be available by the end of the first quarter of 2023. AirTrade CEO Ken Fitzgibbon explains that the timing is perfect as the 7.8s are approaching their 12-year checks and disassembly will allow operators and maintenance companies to access usable material or USM for the aircraft, thereby reducing maintenance costs. As no 787s have been retired from commercial service to date, there is almost no USM market for this platform at the moment. AirTrade is entering into a specialist area and hopes to become a market leader in the provision of USM for the platform, reducing the cost of maintenance events for 787 owners. AirTribe will carry out the dismantling of the two 787-8 at its facility in Presswick in Scotland, in the UK, or in the UK or Scotland, I should say, within the British Isles. With parts stored in Ireland, and the spare components will allow other companies and maintenance and repair and overhaul, or MRO, service providers to access parts at reduced prices as the aircraft type is in high demand in today's market. AirTrade is no stranger to disassembling new technology aircraft, having previously been involved in the first A380 aircraft to be retired uh, and one of the first companies to disassemble the CFM 56 7BE engine. 
The disassembly process is expected to take around three months, with Stephen Trowell, hangar manager for Air Trade Aviation, stating that there's been a huge interest in the aircraft. And the Dreamliner began commercial operations back in 2011. And while these two 787-8s will become the first commercial aircraft of the type to be scrapped, Boeing previously scrapped another frame, a 787-8 bearing manufacturer serial number 40694 and line number 5 back in April 2018. The aircraft was a test bed for the type, having flown for the first time back in June 2010, and it was never delivered to an airline and was stored at Painfield in Everett, Washington since 2013, according to Plainspotters.net data. So, the question is... <laughs> Who's going to be selling the bits? Uh, well, uh, one question from uh, Dirk S is saying, as you can probably see on the screen there, why bother buying pieces of plastic, Carlos? Uh, more Tupperware, Ooh. Dirk S. Lee, uh, Lee Davies is uh, suggesting more Tupperware, Carlos. Great news. Uh, don't put it in the microwave, is what's going on. They're having like a chat between each other here. I quite like this. Oh, uh, I, just want, I just want these bits here. I want these bits. Right, these okay. bits here. Describe that for those who are listening online. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> oh, on the green screen. Very good. Okay, down. that went well. I'll come back to me while you play that. That went smoothly. Yeah, uh, that's Brixland. Uh, lovely. Okay, oh, that's a, that's a win. You don't want the um, uh, lithium-ion battery either, uh, Carlos. <laughs> no, don't want that. Depends. Yeah, there is a difference between dismantling and uh, scrapping, uh, John is telling us. I presume, uh, uh, I, I guess... Well, I I don't know what what is the difference. I'm sort of slightly fascinated. I I, I guess scrapping rather implies that it's going to be turned into you know like sort of you know melted down and started again, uh, and a million cans and stuff like that, as opposed to dismantling, which is where they dismantle it for its part spare parts. I guess yeah, literally dismantle it for parts there we go oh, i'm being told i've got that right well done me yeah so not not available to the general public carlos is the long and the short of it you're out of luck <laughs> oh that, that's just that's just yeah. poor okay yeah i won't switch you yeah indeed we've got to talk about oh, oh hello carlos there go. you're there <laughs> yeah i've yeah. got to switch the flick the camera there. yeah that, i think that's very poor i i, mm. I need my my uh, my own piece of a, a 787 john's here. saying something about the uh 50 the b52 Yes, the B-52. So um, there was a bit of news this week, actually, uh, in regards to this uh, sort of longevity of aircraft. As we all know, the B-52 has been in the skies for about six million years or thereabouts. And um, apparently uh, the Rolls-Royce are in the process of testing uh, the uh, new engines that they're being designed to, to run for the B-52s. So hopefully in not too long, not too distant in the future, they, uh, Rolls-Royce are going to be re-engineering the B-52s uh, for the US, United States Air Force. And uh, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a weird sight when you see, because I think everyone, including, I know Jonathan Warner will, will probably have pictures of this, mm. seeing the B-52s taking off from uh, Fairford, mm. so RAF Fairford in Gloucestershire, and you're seeing those trails of black smoke coming from the engines, and obviously, with these new engines, they are—they're you know, not going to be quite so um, um, smoky. Yeah. In fact, Armando was saying that in terms of refueling, it's going to be a bit of a challenge for them because at least with the old engines, they could see them in the air when they were air-to-air -air -air refueling. It was easy to spot yes. them. Yes. That's where it may not be quite so easy now because they're only tiny, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh well, there we go. Uh, never mind. So 
Moving on, next story, and it's um, good news for those of you in the UK who love flying from Luton. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just waiting to hear. Stop it. It's a very useful airport. Come on, be nice. <laughs> mm. Okay, keep keep going, Carlos. Keep going. <laughs> yes, Matt, you've uh, got the story coming up then. All about oh, is Luton. it my story? Oh, okay. Right, I'll yes. shut up then. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, uh, Luton Airport applies uh, for a major expansion plan to double passenger capacity. Oh, joy. Uh, yeah, this is on bdonline.co.uk and IAN News. Ian Visits. Sorry, ianvisits.co.uk. That's a different website. Uh, Luton Airport, owned by the council-owned company Luton Rising, has applied for a development consent order to expand its terminal and airfield, nearly doubling its passenger capacity. The plans aim to increase the maximum passenger number from 18 million a year to 32 million a year by constructing new terminal space, extending the airfield and upgrading infrastructure for better access. Other additions include ecological improvements, initiatives for zero carbon emissions in operations by 24, uh, 2020, uh, sorry, 2040, and uh, in landscaping. The proposed expansion of uh, the proposed expansion of um, uh, the new terminal will provide more check-in desks and. Um, more check-in desks, uh, security lanes and retail space, improving the overall experience for passengers. The earthworks were to extend the airfield will allow for the use of larger aircraft, making the airport more attractive to airlines and potentially leading to more destinations being added to the airport's roster. The airport has committed to investing £1 million in programmes tackling decarbonisation and social deprivation in Luton and neighbouring communities for every passenger above the airport's current capacity, which could amount to around 14 million. Uh, if the um, if the uh, the sorry if the application is accepted, an examining authority of up to five planning inspectors will be appointed to consider the plans within a six-month period. A full uh, public examination is not expected uh, before late summer, the airport said. In related news, the shuttle railway linking London Luton Airport to nearby railway station will partially open on the 10th of May this year. The Luton Dart, that's the direct air rail transit, is a new automated people mover that connects the airport terminal and the mainline railway at Luton Airport Parkway in just over three minutes. While it was seriously delayed and over budget, it will initially be free to use for about four hours a day and will eventually replace the current shuttle bus service. Uh, it'll be fully operational by the end of March and passengers will need to pay £4.90 for a single journey with concessions available for those who hold a bus pass or reside in Luton. The four-carriage 170 capacity DART will provide step-free indoor transfers between the station and airport in less than half the time and twice the frequency. Luton are also looking to, for volunteers to help in trial situations including fire evacuation, station evacuation and a series of customer service scenarios now we've got some uh, pictures here uh, about uh, that that are uh, involving 
the the alteration so these are the proposed plans uh for expanding the airport i mean well, again, it looks very square i mean it does look very, mind you i mean you say that in a sort of like a negative way carlos but let's not forget that the design is not massively dissimilar uh, and you know stansted is quite a square footprint shall we say mm. uh, i know the design is much much different obviously because it uh, oh no it's, it looks miles better than the the, the current loot now yeah indeed yeah. absolutely it's definitely uh, a sort of step in the right direction i think i, I mean you've obviously had some bad experiences at Luton I do completely get that it's, it was yeah it, it was mainly due to the building that was going on there and the times that were flown from there and mm. Luton as you probably know Matt Luton's not the easiest airport to get to from where we are in the um in the mm. UK with the road networks and stuff it's a yeah. bit of a mm. Mind yeah. you, if you're able to do it by, um, you know, this dart thing looks absolutely fascinating. It's sort of like a, a modern upgrade, I suppose, on the DLR, I reckon, there, mm, would you say? Yeah. Yes. I mean, Luton Airport does come in for a lot of stick, uh, quite rightly, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but th this is some improvement, so I, it has to get better there, doesn't it? And the trouble is, the actual site that it's built on, I mean, it goes back to a very long uh, way, but uh, there's not that much room, actually. I mean, unlike Stansted, which has got a much bigger sort of overall footprint and a 10,000-foot runway, uh, Luton is not, not as big as that by any stretch of the imagination. So they are a bit limited on what they can do. But modernisation is the name of the game there. But every time I've been there, which in recent years has not been that often, but it's, there's always been a lot of construction going on. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah it's if anything can make it better then that's a good thing isn't it definitely definitely the way forward so nev you've got the last story in the commercial segment this week and it's all about choppers yes it's on the uh robreport.com um and it says that hill helicopters <laughs> based in the UK, claims to have created the world's first fully private helicopter, the Hill HX-50. Unlike traditional helicopters that are typically purchased and operated by charter firms or fleets, the HX-50 is designed specifically for private owners. One of the most unique aspects of the HX-50 is the level of customization it offers. Each new owner is invited to Hills Factory in the UK to work with a team of engineers and production technicians to create a custom dream machine. Clients can build up to 51% of their personal rotorcraft under the close supervision of professionals. This allows for a truly one-of-a-kind helicopter that suits the specific needs and desires of each owner. But the HX50 is not just a pretty face, it has some impressive technical specifications as well. Equipped with a three-blade rotor system and an in-house GT50 turboshaft engine, this chopper develops uh, 400 horsepower with a cruise speed of 161 miles per hour and a range of up to 806 miles. The retractable landing gear also reduces drag for a faster, smoother flight. The interior of the HX50 is just as impressive as the exterior with a five-person cabin finished in plush leather and large panoramic windows.
The simple digital cockpit features two 15-inch glass instrument panels and an iPad, making it easy for recreational pilot pilots to fly. However, the HX50 does come at a high price. It starts at roughly $648,000, which is just under half a million pounds, but the cost can increase depending on the additional features selected by the customer. Nonetheless, Hill Helicopters reports that there is already strong interest in the HX50 with production scheduled to start this year. Uh, customers who are interested can use the configurator tool on Hill Helicopters website to de design their own HX50 and get an estimated price. A deposit will be required to confirm an order. You'll be surprised to learn. <laughs> Now, what if they do it in orange or yellow? That, that would be... Appealing. Well, I'll tell you what, Nev. Why, why don't we find out, Nev? Uh, let's go to... So, I, I've loaded up the website. I'm ready to go. Um, so, we're going to start with the exterior then. So, um, I should stress it starts... Before we've done anything at all, uh, it's starting at £595,000. Um, now, you've got Supermarine White. You've got Endeavour Red. Uh, this one might be of interest to you, Nev. Oh, it's Forged what? Orange. It's yes, nearly... Well, 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 I think that's about the best we're going to get. We're going to uh, get, yeah, yeah I think that's... Yeah, or oh, there's British Racing Green, well, what do you think? Yeah, but, yeah no, we're not Sterling Moss, I suppose, aren't we? have the orange one. We'll have the orange one. Okay, so we've chosen that. There we are. We've we changed the colour. Uh, sorry, I appreciate this is terrible uh, radio for those listening on uh, the audio version. Uh, but uh, So we're going to plod on. So we've got a... a, a this reminds me of the... Um, uh, the the Eurocopter, you know, with the that sort of similar star where it's got mm. the um, mm, uh, yeah. the real the rear tail um, like rotor, if you like, encased, enclosed. enclosed. Yeah. Uh, so that's we've chosen our colour. Uh, we're going to work on the interior now. We've got uh, our colours here, Nev. Now, what what would you what have you got in the banana? That's a bit rude. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, satin black, I suppose. Satin would, black. Would be, uh, okay. The closest I've uh, got. Richard yeah. Adams are furious, by the way, saying, what, no banana yellow? Uh, yeah. There's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, satin black, we think, do we? Or we've got mm. autumn glow? Or will that clash oh, with I the... I tell you what, the, the cherry wood red... The cherry wood... Let's have a look, that, see what that looks like. That there we go, that's applied. Oh, oh, wow, that, oh, is, that is something else. <laughs> Popping, isn't it? I don't oh, know. I, 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 why is it I feel like I'm in a Lamborghini or something like that? It's got a real vibe, vibe of, of that... Yeah, Silk Cream is the one that producer uh, John is suggesting. Let's have a look at that. That's quite classy. Yeah, I quite that, like it. get chocolate on that very Good easily. point. Well made. Yeah, what, and you yeah think that, that would show... <laughs> That, that would show, uh, show the yeah. signs. So in, t in t uh, the interior here, we're looking at five seats, basically. So it's a big old chopper, actually, isn't it? You can get quite a few people. That's what she said. In Stop it. Uh, it's a very, it's a very comfortable-looking space, uh, it has to be said. Uh, Tony is saying, uh, get to the cup holders, Matt. Oh, right. My apologies. Yes, sorry. <laughs> okay, of course. I, I, I'm a bit traditional, you see. I quite like the idea of the, uh, of the English walnut. No. Oh, right, okay. Oh, yeah. no. No, no? Okay, all right. No. Back, back to the... Yeah, yeah. That, that looks like <laughs> oh, good our, point, yeah. That, look, yeah. that looks like our show intro uh, text. Yes, but the swatch palette doesn't really bear much relation <laughs> to what you actually get when you press okay. the button, does Okay, it? no, that's true. Now, the good news is it's it's still remaining at 595,000. If we, if we click on the pictures at the bottom, apparently, we can see uh, different parts, of the different, uh, oh, different views, angles, yeah. if you look, different angles of the yeah. aircraft. Uh, so... Uh, in answer
answer to uh, in answer to Tony's question, worrying about the cup holders, um, we've got uh, yes, there we go. Oh, look, look, looking quite nice with the interior there. And uh, the most important part, obviously, is uh, the view that everyone gets from the back of your head. It would seem. Uh, yes, indeed. There we go. Uh, not a clear view of the cup holders, however. Perhaps they're an optional extra. Uh, the good news, though, is that the price hasn't changed yet. It's still five hundred ninety-five thousand oh, pounds. That's good. Exfat, I should stress. Uh, so our options. We're looking at engines now. What do we fancy? Um, oh, there's only one engine available. Uh, yeah, there's only one engine available. The GT uh, GT50 turbine. Uh, we've got permanent skid undercarriage. I yes, that's that if, you, if you don't have the Ooh. if you don't have the retractable wheels, <laughs> you can have a skid. Right, um, is like that old school helicopter? Oh, I see. oh I see. Right, okay. I thought perhaps it was just for landing on ice. Le- leave uh, it as it is though, because <laughs> at the moment it looks a bit like Airwolf. So leave it like that. What, like that or like that? Yeah. Oh, with or without wheels. Oh, that's good. What do we want? Know. What do we want? With or without wheels? What are we feeling? Somebody make a decision. Um, I'm I'm preferring it with the the wheels for the undercarriage. For the wheels, okay. All right, yeah. we'll leave it like that. Uh, now we have other options here. This is where it starts to bring the price up. Uh, make a statement or opt for even greater comfort and convenience with extra features and specialised equipment to enhance your flying experience. So we've got premium paint. You can have uh, oh, you can have like matte satin, ultra metallic. Or um, pearlescent, whatever one of those is. Uh, it's 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 a mere snip at an extra ten thousand uh, pounds to change the the, the colour. Uh, shall we add that? Doesn't yeah. seem to have done yeah, anything. Go with that. Go uh, with that. What happens if we do that? Not a lot. Uh, so it's not changing the imagery. Uh, okay. So so these ones won't change. So we'll move on. Um, we'll move on to that. Yeah, so so we've all, the other premium options paint. available. So we've got premium paints, we've got bespoke exterior paint scheme and wrap. I suppose that'd be handy if you were branding it with PTUK, for example. Um, you've got climate, climate seats. seats. Oh, heated and cooled, Carlos. Oh yeah, we'll have those. We'll, uh, have, right, those. Oh, we'll have those. Okay, all right. So so we're not feeling the love for the the premium paint. We'll turn that one off. But we're liking the climate seats. Refrigerated centre console. I mean, Carlos, you've got to have that surely. It's a yeah. mere snip at two thousand five hundred pounds. Um, uh, blade fold system, yeah, we'll have that. Just what, to what's that? Space. What's that? The, folds, the blades fold in just to. Oh, I see. Space. So you can make them sort of flat. Okay, yeah. yeah fair. Um, Although, to be fair, if you can afford one of these, you can also afford an appropriate hanger to put it in. But uh, anyway, uh, Helimove smart ground handling system. Yeah, we'll have that as well because it's a heavy old beast. So oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so you yeah. haven't got to push it around yourself. No, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, we'll is that. that like a motor mover for a caravan, but for that a helicopter? Is, yeah. Right. Okay. Very yeah. good. Uh, four axis advanced autopilot. Yeah, definitely have that. We'll right. Have that. Okay. Uh, I just I don't want to alarm you. It's uh, it's £25,000. Oh, got any money. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Lovely. Yeah. No wonder your wife gets stressed. Uh, hill advanced digital cockpit. Oh, we've got to have a digital cockpit, surely. Yeah, we've got H3, to have that. H3 Advanced Digital Copy, yeah. Yeah, we'll have that. yeah we've got to have Oh, that. emergency floats. We'll need those when we go across the pond. Right, okay. To uh, see our friends. Heated heated pitot tube, that seems like a like a, like a a given, surely. Probably, yeah. yeah. I think we, we should. I'm surprised it. that's not standard. I find that slightly, it's only £1,000. That's pocket change in comparison to the rest of it. Uh, yeah, we'll a cargo that. hook. Now, what's a cargo hook? Well, that's so we can obviously carry our studio equipment to all the Oh, uh, I see. Shows. Right, yeah, because there'll be five people in yeah. the helicopter, so yeah. there won't be room for, oh, for luggage. Uh, uh, okay. To tow the caravan. Yes, that's good. <laughs> good yeah. yeah, yeah, tow it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it lifts an extra 800 kilos, we're being And told obviously, we need yeah. we need the passenger in-flight entertainment. Of course, so we're absolutely. Have our own, yeah, long flights. We're going to have, yeah. gonna have the uh, podcast yeah. on, permanent I, play. I, I don't think we need the child safety seat. I think we're all no, right on that one. No, we don't one. need those. Um, uh, and we also have a removable soft ground landing kit. Mm. Uh, well, Armando's going to be flying it, so we don't oh, that need that. Okay. No, we don't need so that. So we're currently at £716,000. I'm loving the fact that they're not rounding it up at the moment. You know, they're just rounding mm. it up. They're not sort of giving us silly amounts. So the ex- so those, those are all our bits and pieces. The estimated price for our... our cr- uh, yeah, should we book a presentation? <laughs> Let's oh, not. Uh, we're looking at... Uh, yeah, so the estimated price... So the base price was 595000 With all Carlos's optional extras, because he just doesn't care, £716,000. There you go. That's how much that aircraft will cost you. What a lovely... Uh, do they do a scrappage scheme for my old Audi, Tony is asking. Uh, <laughs> Nev? <laughs> uh, well, no, it's, it's unlikely, Tony. Is it? Sorry. Right, okay, uh, to be fair. What a show. Oh, hang on, sorry, I missed that one. Uh, Bill was saying, uh, how much does seat 1A cost in that? Yes, well, that's going to be um, <laughs> up for negotiation, yeah. isn't it, I think, uh, Bill, uh, definitely. Cap- and, that, uh, that's going to be an embossed seat. Uh, will it be Patreon funded? Of course, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, Captain Ridiculous Wits, sorry, go back one, please, John. Uh, no, okay, all right, fair enough. Okay, uh, what did I miss? Oh, uh, bespoke, <laughs> bespoke wrap with flames uh, is Masha's suggestion for said aircraft. Uh, that's probably not a bad shout. Um, and uh, and uh, Nick is saying I don't want any skids in my undercarriage. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> a good point, well made. Uh, yeah. I think it comes though. with um, you know a full set of carpet mats. Like One would hope so. Uh, you would y- negotiate with your garage and flaps. Yeah. You got they, and they say to you know, ask and throw, throw those in. And, and the tree, you need you need the like the scented tree, don't you? That's hanging from the wing mirror. Um, uh, Richard says he'll have one. What? No free fuel tank of uh, no free full tank of fuel at delivery time. Forget it then. Throw it away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so we've designed an aircraft which none of us can afford. Winning. Excellent. <laughs> it's nice to look at. So we don't worry. Absolutely. I love it. Loving the paint job. Yeah. So that brings to an end the commercial news segment for this week. Some good stories in there. Well done, guys. I'm, I'm all. We're all. We're all skint this week. Yeah. I've brought. I've brought pieces of seven eight seven, and we've jointly purchased a new aircraft. Very so, good. Um, absolutely. We're all skint. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone's so, divorced by the end of the day. I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as, as long as you're no, not putting the 787 no. pieces on the helicopter. No, they go on the wall uh, in here. Saying, oh, right, okay. <laughs> so very good. up next, we have a very, very special yes. uh, thing indeed. We do indeed. Now, those of you who may have listened many moons ago to a certain podcast that was broadcast weekly from a place far, far away, and these guys... Didgeridoo and Air podcast, um, a weekly podcast, used to, uh, which was um, a great little uh, podcast with interviews and, and and stuff. And well, we have some. Well, you may have, if you follow them on social media, you may have already seen this this week. Uh, but there, there was some very special news from the guys this week on the show, and they also sent us a segment as well uh, from a very big air show. But first, we're going to play a little snippet of what the guys released earlier on this week on their social media.
Yeah. You're, you're going to do some more crawling than the, on the chance that Dan Air will hire you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mission with a V, by the way, Dan. That's right. And, and Dan, I, I do have my commercial ticket. It's not current, but I can fix that problem. <laughs> and mine's American, so you know. <laughs> Yes, they're back. <laughs> yes, the plane crazy down under guys are back. Well, they're back soon. Anyway, when they get uh, their first episode all recorded and put together. Um, but uh, I had a little conversation with uh, Steve Vischer earlier this week. And Steve and Grant are both at Avalon, uh, which is a big air show going on over in Australia at the moment. And I asked Steve, I said, Steve... Can you do a little something for us here over in the UK? A little bit of a segment for PTUK. And Steve said, yes, of course I will, Carlos. And uh, this is what Steve sent over. Well, Steve, Steve, I think we're at an air show. We must be at an air show because I can see all these planes around. In fact, there's even some European planes here. Can you believe it? I know, the A400s. There's one from Malaysia, but it is a European aircraft. But there's also the one from Germany, the Luftwaffe. <laughs> They're here, and uh, they actually have a big splash paddling pool under the wing of the aircraft and a bar. Well, hi there, folks. It's uh, Steve Fisher and Grant McCarran here reporting to you live for PTUK. Yeah. I've never said that before. <laughs> from the uh, 2023 Australian International Air Show here at Avalon, about 50, 60 k's to the south of Melbourne, just north of Geelong, for people who might be familiar with this part of the world. Yeah, southwest, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you go you go south that far from Melbourne, I think you wind up in the water, don't you? But anyhow. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but that's going the wrong way because we need to be going north to PTUK land. Yes. And uh, in fact, we got a little bit of PTUK's homeland right here, didn't we? We sure did. Let's have a listen. Henry Sayers from the UK government. Mate, welcome to Avalon. Welcome to Melbourne. Are, are you based here in Melbourne? No, no, based in London. Uh, wow. It's a pleasure to be here. That's a long haul. That is a really long haul. It's a very long haul, but it's worth the trip. Okay. Uh, we're celebrating the second anniversary of our UK-Australia Space Bridge last week, and we're celebrating our first trade delegation to Australia, and one of the largest we've done internationally as well, with 23 UK space companies with us. Wow, okay, that is a big group. And, of course, there's also AUKUS going on on the military side as well. Absolutely, so, yes. Yeah. We plug into them very regularly, uh, working with UK Space Command that have been here this week. Okay. Um, and our High Commissioner gave a speech on Tuesday night about the significance of our AUKUS relationship and being able to uh, reinforce our defence capabilities. I believe that was at the National Gallery of Victoria. That's right, yes. Yeah. Okay, so how's the show going for you? It's been brilliant, yeah. It's been absolutely fantastic to be able to engage with all the states individually, being able to meet with so many uh, companies across defence, space and aerospace. Uh, for us, it's been really enriching, a very enlightening experience, and we're very much looking forward to coming back um, bigger and more bolder. <laughs> was the focus more on uh, the defence side of stuff this time around, or civil aviation as well? So, the high priority for us this week has been on the space sector, um, but my colleagues in the defence realm, uh, they've been coming here quite regularly as well to reinforce those AUKUS discussions. I think the High Commissioner alluded to um, some significant developments in AUKUS coming in the next few weeks. Um, and uh, UK Space Command have been around this week uh, with us to help encourage that defence and civil uh, crossing over and collaboration between uh, the sectors. And of course, uh, wouldn't be uh, complete without saying, when you go back and give the report, please say, oh, we're missing the, R the RAF and more British aircraft, please. Of course, of course. <laughs> I'll feed that back. 
Henry, uh, thanks very much. We, we just ambushed you with this interview, but uh, thanks for joining us here for uh, PTUK. Yeah, Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Well, there we go. Good to see our delegation from the mother country back here in Australia and uh, doing some business. It's, it's actually good to see. And uh, yeah. talking about the AUKUS alliance there, that's uh, very, very important for uh, defence strategy going forward. So it's, uh, you know, I, I actually think we'll see a lot more UK presence here at events like this as we go forward. Oh, we can but hope, mate. Uh, they've been a bit quiet for quite a few air shows, but, you know, we'll see what we get. But, yeah, look, it's a, it's a cracker day. The sun's come out. The cloud base is spinning. Shh, don't talk about sun. We're talking to people in England. Oh, shoot. That's oh, what happens when the clouds part, you know. Oh, God, it's so cold and we couldn't find anywhere out of the wind. We shouldn't say that because we've had the worst summer. <laughs> it's <laughs> been know, right? so, so cold here for us, by our standards anyway. But anyhow, should we also use this moment to uh, tell the guys something fun? Some shameless self-promotion, Grant. Oh, we wouldn't do that, would we? Uh, look, we've decided to get back into podcasting. Stop the presses. Playing Crazy Down Under is back. We are indeed. So, uh, yeah, we've just been here recording. Well, we've been doing a lot of work here for Australian Defence Magazine as well, so make sure you check that podcast out. But, um, yeah, we're, uh, we've had uh, some great recordings here and some great conversations for the new series of Playing Crazy Down Under, which, as we record this, we plan to get out in several weeks from now, probably towards the end of March. Yeah, well, based on our current track record, we might get this content out somewhere before the heat death of the universe. But, you know, <laughs> hey, we're back, and it's really awesome. Uh, we're having a great time catching up with a lot of folks we haven't seen for a very long time as well. And everyone's generally been going, oh, God, you're back. There goes the neighbourhood. <laughs> exactly right. Well, there you go, Carlos and crew. I hope you enjoyed that report here from Melbourne. And, uh, well, we'll talk to you again very soon. Yeah, pass me some more sunscreen, will you? Lucky we didn't talk about the cricket. No, don't. I, I, I said don't mention the cricket. <laughs> I don't want to mention the cricket. I know, right? We're a big right now. Can we talk about basketball? Do they play uh, that in the no, UK? No, 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 no. It's, it's bowls, if anything. <laughs> yes. Tea drinking. Yes. Uh, more, more cucumber sandwich, mate. <laughs> We're out of here. <laughs> I mean, oh wow! So good to hear them back, isn't it? How good was that? Oh, how man. good was that? That was honestly, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done, guys. Well done, guys. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to see those guys coming back on because it is is one of the shows I really do miss on the old podcast list each week, and uh, they're regular shows. So uh, yeah, good, Stephen Grant. Thanks for sending that in. Um, it was very good of you to do that. So I know those that Steve, both Steve and Grant, have had a very, very, very busy week indeed at Avalon, um, putting content and stuff together. So thanks, Steve, for putting that together uh, for the show to, uh, for today. Yes, they'll be back soon. The Aussies are back. Plenty of comments in the chat room, mostly about uh, getting used to that accent back again on the airwaves. Mm, uh, yeah, could say that about us. To be fair, anyway. Moving swiftly on, it's time for the military this week. Uh, it's been put together this week by Armando for us. Uh, so thanks to Armando uh, for that. So if all the crew are ready for yes. some military news. Watch up, buggies, 13550, Angel 16, 1st military story comes to us from the aviationgeekclub.com the 317th airlift wing successfully passed fuel from a c-130 to an m1a2 battle tank using a piece of equipment called the emergency response refueling equipment kit 
this is marks the first time in U.S. Air Force history that a C-130 has been used to refuel an Abrams tank. The photos that accompany the story, if you are watching the YouTube show, feature U.S. Air Force airmen assigned to the 317th Airlift Wing and some U.S. Army soldiers assigned to the 1st Armored Division running a fuel hose from that C-130 Super, Her Super Hercules to an M1A2 tank at Fort Bliss, Texas. Now, the U.S. Army's main battle tank, the M1 Abrams, is the only mass-produced turbine-powered land vehicle in the world. Thanks to its engine, the Abrams is actually much faster than any other tank out there. The engine is remarkably quiet, too, and because of this feature, the tank is even nicknamed the Whispering Death. Now, this gas turbine engine has servicing intervals that are significantly longer than those of diesel engines, and and is a, a little bit troublesome to maintain. It has some very high fuel consumption when compared to diesel engines. Now the Abrams AGT-1500 can be replaced in field conditions within about 30 minutes. Now the M1A2 tank has been in the news recently because it's potential transfer to Ukrainian forces. In fact, we think that they are now actually conducting some training in Germany for those forces into the Abrams tank. C-130s use a similar technique to refuel helicopters and other aircraft in austere locations by using a specialized fuel distribution cart to transfer fuel from those C-130s to other aircraft. Uh, often, this is done with everybody's engines running, whether it's a helicopter, whether it's a C-130. Uh, we've even seen some instances where they're doing some forward area refueling for A-10s or some turboprop aircraft. And most often, this is actually done under the cover of night. This is a very, very dangerous operation, and marking the first time that they're uh, transferring fuel from a uh, jet A fuel from a uh, C-130 to, to an Abrams tank, you can only imagine that this is helping the U.S. military develop some sort of austere capability to refuel these tanks. So pretty cool operation, and uh, you know we'll probably see some more operations like this happen in the near future so yeah it's um sorry thanks for that Armando yeah having a couple of technical problems in the studio here so apologies that things have gone a bit strange um but uh yeah it's kind of an interesting thought a c-130 refueling a tank yeah kind of, not it's two different two different things one's up here the other one's down there yeah, you wouldn't have thought, you know, sort of mm. like, I mean, are they literally <laughs> throwing a hose down to it? And yeah. you're like, a really of, long hose. Yeah, absolutely. A really long very, hose. Very, yeah. very bizarre. Sort of, it's a very sort of odd setup, really, isn't it? But hey, if it if it works, it works. That's that's the uh, the long and the short of it, isn't it? It's, perhaps perhaps uh, they're doing it wirelessly. They're doing it wirelessly. Okay. <laughs> anyway, on to ah. the next story from Armando. And this one okay. is uh, from the popularmechanics.com website. And in this particular story, Armando is going to be talking about the Air Force's grounded uh, hundreds of jets because, believe it or not, their tails may fall off. Now, this next military story is from Popular Mechanics. The Air Force has grounded hundreds of jets because their tails may fall off. Now, something was off with a key component used to literally hold many U.S. aircraft together, and it resulted in the service grounding 207 vital aircraft according to a TCTO, or a Time uh, Compliance Technical Order, that was issued in February. No, it wasn't an F-16. It wasn't a new F-35, which we love to talk about. It wasn't an almost 100-year-old B-52 or an A-10. 
foremost, it was actually the workhorse keeping all of those aircraft refueled and in the sky. It was the U.S. Air Force's KC-135 Stratotanker. Now, this also affected RC-135 and WC-135 surveillance aircraft, which are extensively deployed to monitor the activity and technologies of foreign militaries, particularly China, North Korea, and Russia. Now, the offending items were first publicly revealed in February 9th on a memo posted to an unofficial Facebook page associated with Air Force NCOs, and apparently it has to do with non-conforming vertical pins. Two of these 5-inch pins that are used to bear 90% of the load fixing the vertical stabi the stabilizer or the tail fin on this uh, C-135 family of aircraft. The failure of just one pin, therefore, would be enough to compromise its load-bearing cap uh, capacity, causing the entire vertical stabilizer to, you know, depart the aircraft, as the memo kind of dryly puts it. Now, according to this memo, the metallurgical analysis of two, quote, non-conformal pins were supplied by Blue Dog Industries and found flaws including incorrect material, undersized dimensions, insufficient plating, and lack of shot peening. Now, all 280 pins were recalled by the U.S. Air Force, but unfortunately, some had already been installed. Now, the Air Force identified 207 aircraft that underwent some program depot maintenance that may have received these pins. Now, while the service is undertaking tests to figure out whether or how much those flaws degrade the pin stability, it chose to accelerate the pin's removal from operational aircraft so as to, you know, not risk any tails falling off at any inopportune moments. Now, the danger of this kind of incident is no joke. In 1985, a Japanese 7, uh, 747 lost its tail mid-flight and plummeted into a, a mountain, killing 520 individuals in one of the deadliest aircraft accidents involving just one plate, uh, one aircraft. Now, the culprit in that case was an explosive decompression of a stress fracture incurred from prior tail, uh, a prior tail collision. So that said, the Air Force deems the risk of a pin-related accident low enough that aircraft with faulty pins were authorized to fly to the maintenance depot to have them replaced. Now, no mishaps due to these pins have been reported so far. Fortunately, determining whether one of the problematic pins is installed only requires a 30-minute inspection in which a cover plate is removed in order to inspect the uh, pin head. Um, now, according to the Omaha World Herald, uh, February 19th, all of the WC-135 and RC-135 surveillance jets based at Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska were reported verified not to use the suspect pins and they were able to resume flight operations. That included two of the very specialized Cobra Ball uh, aircraft that were sent on February 20th to uh, observe a uh, you know failed test of Russia's uh, latest silo-based nuclear missile. That aircraft actually measures telemetry off of uh, foreign missiles or even you you know friendly missiles. Um, however, at least one of the seven RC-135s undergoing a routine overhaul in Texas did require a pin replacement. Now, as you guys know, the KC-135 is based on the four-engine Boeing 707. That's been around since 1958. Uh, inevitably, there have been constant issues that have you know, ar ar arisen with this aircraft. And we've said on the show a couple of times that this may be one of the contenders for the first military aircraft to reach 100 years in service. Now, that being said, uh, not all of the aircraft are 100 years old, of course. 
uh, just the the concept of the airframe or the the, the design of the airframe is um, most of these aircraft were produced in the 60s and the 70s and even into the 80s and there's even some newer ones that have been um, well most of them have been re-engined and everything but as you can imagine uh, losing an aircraft to something like this would be catastrophic but at least the inspections are working and they are identifying some of these faulty or potentially faulty items AC-135 was based on the 707, wasn't it, Nev? Yes. The, uh, yeah, 707. Obviously with a with slightly different engine powering that um, than the original 707 had. But, yeah, been around a lot of years, and there's quite a few of these based at Mildenhall, actually. Quite a lot of these are um, over at RAF Mildenhall. Mm. And they come over here quite frequently. You'll see them flying over here, uh, going to and from Europe. So, yeah. And you can hear them, I presume, as well. And you can definitely hear them, yeah. They normally normally come down fairly low, just towards the back. Actually, actually, more towards where you are, Matt, in the in the area is to oh, where really? they fly over. Yeah, um, so you can see these, and um, yeah, it's good to see them. Good to see them. Uh, next up, Armando's got a story from FlightGlobal.com, and this particular story is all about Pratt and Whitney uh, starting to modify the F-135s to address an issue prompting the F-35s partial grounding. This next military story is from FlightGlobal.com. Pratt & Whitney has started modifying some engines in some Lockheed Martin F-35s to address an issue that had left many of the, ground, the fighters grounded in recent months in many air forces. Uh, Pratt & Whitney Vice President of F-135 Programs Jennifer Latka said this week of the engine modification, what we have done now allows the fleet to fly safely and allows us to continue deliveries. Uh, Pratt & Whitney is now implementing the change on fielded power plants, she adds. For sure, we are going to be retrofitting some jets. Now, the U.S. Department of Defense grounded an undisclosed number of F-35s after a Lockheed-owned F-35B, which is the vertical takeoff and landing variant of this fifth-generation fighter, crashed publicly on the 15th of December last year in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, the pilot ejected after seeming to lose control just as the aircraft was touching down after a vertical descent. Now, the incident also prompted Lockheed to halt F-35 deliveries overall. Now, the U.S. government's F-35 Joint Program Office said later that the crash resulted from a harmonic resonance issue affecting the aircraft's Pratt & Whitney-made F-135 engine. Uh, Latka said, think of it as a, a vibration, noting that the problem arose after the F-135s had logged more than 600,000 hours of flight time. Now, this issue occurs at a certain frequency and at a certain amplitude when multiple parameters converge to create a very rare system phenomenon, according to her. Now, harmonic resonance is not an unknown engine issue, but the specific incident raised some new design learning, according to Latka, and to some degree, they have dealt with this before, but there were some new aspects to what happened in December. Pratt & Whitney has since developed a fix, which it incorporated into new production engines ahead of resuming F-135 engine deliveries on the 18th of February. Now, the company is now making the update to uh, some already in-service affected F-35s. She said that they were able to quickly de develop a very elegant, immediate resolution that allows the pilot to fly safely. 
as she described that update as a relatively quick fix, adding that they're not going very deep into the core of the engine. Latka did decline to provide any more details other than that, nor to say whether Pratt & Whitney intends to retrofit engines across the entire F-35 fleet. Now, the JPO also declined to disclose any more details about this problem or the solution. Now, the uh, actions that the government and industry teams are taking will ensure the incorporation of mitigation measures that will fully address and resolve this rare phenomenon in the impacted F-135 engines, according to that joint program office. Now, this is very important. Uh, this is an issue that actually in the Reno air races we face because our aircraft that we are running are often kind of off the reservation. So the engines are often Continentals or Lycoming, uh, normally aspirated, sometimes turbo-powered uh, or turbocharged engines. And they're running at uh, RPMs that are way above what the manufacturer even tested. And keep in mind that we've talked about on the show that what they publish in the handbooks, those engines and co engine components have usually been tested anywhere between 30 and 50% uh, more stressful than what they publish in the handbook at the Reno Air Races because it's pretty much experimental racing. Both the engines, the components, the propellers, everything is running at a much higher, much stressful um, uh, situation. And one of the problems that we face is this harmonic resonance, this harmonic frequency that develops, in our case, in the propeller blades and at certain combinations of the crankshaft turning and the propeller turning this can actually degrade the structural integrity of these propellers whether they be composite propellers or they be metal propellers um, and sometimes that that kind of stuff hasn't been engineered or tested by the factories and there are actually a couple examples in the reno air races of propellers just departing the aircraft because of this harmonic resonance so it is not a new problem it just happens to be a newly discovered problem in the f-35 and the f-135 pratt and whitney engines hello <laughs> i thought i thought you i thought maybe you had the time coming up and i've got a minute left i thought we've got yeah. a minute left of this okay so, something happened yeah. uh, something I, I, happened there. we are having some technical problems in the studio we're we're doing our best to soldier on so apologies but that... getting back to that story though yeah right, i've got i've got a brilliant fix now let's just take all the air, uh, engines out of the f-35s and go back to good old-fashioned prop piston engines <laughs> i know well yes Huh? Well, they did have their own levels of unreliability back in the day, of course. Yeah, but they were fairly <laughs> bulletproof. You know, you didn't see you didn't see hundreds of stories in on uh, on Flight Global back in nineteen forty odd, did you? So... No, but that's because it was before the internet. <laughs> And before yeah, it was true. called Flight Global as well. Right. Yeah, small oh, details. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, going slightly off topic, did any did everybody see uh, that ridiculous headline that was I think it was simpleflying.com, that ridiculous headline that I think it was saying that uh, something about losing fifty percent of, of the power if you oh, lost one of the word, engines. Yes. Like out of the you know, one out of the two engines, which I think is like I mean, my maths is terrible, don't get me wrong, but I think even I managed to work that one out. Uh, that that actually <laughs> Actually, that made it to one of the one of the biggest Facebook groups that I'm a member of on uh, on Facebook. One of the oh, really? um, com the commercial aviation Facebook groups, and someone had screenshotted that particular story and posted it on there, <laughs> and they'd they'd literally highlighted that piece that said, 
you know, um, a a twin engined ETOPS aircraft airliner mm. loses fifty percent of its power when it loses one engine. And then there's lots of people who are commenting on there saying, well, how about a, a TriStar, or well, not tri, a TriStar, or a DC-10, or maybe, you know, something else that's got... <laughs> yeah, it, it was an unusual route for them to go down. Well, I must admit, I, I'm, I'm personally a really big fan of, of simpleflying.com, and even I went, hmm, that's a different story. Yeah, it's, it's, a, funny, <laughs> it's a funny headline to put on a, on a story, that's for sure. Yeah, especially yeah. when, when your, 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 your target audience is aviation enthusiasts and or experts. <laughs> I, before we move on, I would, yeah. love them, I would love them to work out yeah. the, the percentage of engine loss mm. if you lost one engine on a B-52. <laughs> Considering you've got eight True. engines yeah. on there... So if you lose one engine out of eight, the percentage of power loss. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to guess uh, you, you'd lose one eighth of the one eighth of the power. That's what I would suggest. But... I, I want percentages, <laughs> Matt. I need percentages. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, twelve and a half percent, John. Is oh, saying, there we go. Because he's very quick at maths. Thanks goodness. But uh, I mean, even the person who wrote the article. Yeah, yeah. John's saying it's not. It's hard to do for me. It's hard to do in my head. So uh, I appreciate it's that. Maths. But, uh, it is maths. I'm not it's really so nice good at that. To, uh, just going back to obvious things. Let's uh, <laughs> see that Neil Cluffley is getting with the program uh, over on uh, LinkedIn. Our good friend from uh, from Duxford, um, from uh, Faraday Aviation. Um, Somebody on LinkedIn was uh, is selling uh, an Airbus A320-200 uh, manufactured in 2012, uh, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, he has posted the an incorrect picture. <laughs> and Neil, uh, rather correctly, says maybe a stock uh, A320 image would be better than a Boeing 777. It was the response, <laughs> though, from the organisation that, that melted my mind. The response from the organisation, who yeah. should remain nameless, but I'm sure you can find it on LinkedIn. Yes, yes. Uh, the response to Neil was, of course, sir, thank you for highlighting this. We will consider using appropriate images next time. <laughs> Well, so, the no, correct manufacturer might be a starting yeah, point. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. Not you even the correct. At least you know. You, you at least wants to be the correct manufacturer. Never mind. I, you know, different variant. I'll tolerate. But like, I know we are not a a hundred and fifty million percent polished show, and we do get things wrong. How from day very to day, dare you? Time to time. <laughs> but can I just say, and this is testament testament to you, Matt, actually. It's very rare that we put the wrong picture. It's not testament to me at all. It is testament to, well, to John. John, our producer, who makes yeah. sure that the appropriate images are given to me because I wouldn't be able to tell the difference from one or the other. I would be making uh... those serious meter fouls. But if you are an aviation... Um, you know, media outlet of some description, the very least you can do is check to make sure you've done things. And going back to the story we were talking about earlier, the, the one with the 50%, en you know, losing 50% energy was written by a gentleman who had a PhD in everything. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there we go. What, we what, are slightly... A PhD in orange squash. Yes, anyway, moving yes, on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in aerospace engineering, yeah. Anyway, last last story before someone comes after us with a yeah. with an email yeah. is from Armando and the last story is from the aviationist.com and it's all about the F-35C mishap uh, which happened on the USS Carl Vinson which was caused by pilot error uh, pilot error I should say after the Sierra Hotel break. Now this last military story is a pretty significant update from something we covered last year. 
uh, from Aviationist.com a year after an F-35C Lightning II suffered a ramp strike on the USS Carl Vincent, uh, resulting in the loss of the aircraft and multiple sailors being injured. Now, the findings of the investigation are now public, as well as some of the detailed circumstances of this mishap. The investigation report obtained by USNI News shows that the pilot did not activate two landing assist tools that are built into the F-35's avionics, resulting in a less than ideal speed during the final approach to the aircraft carrier. Now, the crash happened on January 24, 2022, at approximately 1630 local time while the USS Carl Vinson was operating in the South China Sea. Now, the, the official investigation was completed and released on February 16, 2023. Now, while the investigation pointed out that the cause of the mishap was found to be pilot error, it also po pointed out that the error was not the result of reckless actions or malicious intent. Now, the report did say that the mishap pilot attempted an expedited recovery break overhead the carrier, which is an approved and common maneuver, but the mishap pilot had never performed this maneuver before and that it reduced the amount of time to configure the aircraft and conduct landing checks, according to this report. As a result of the compressed timeline and the mission pilots or mishap pilots lack of familiarity with the maneuver, the pilot lost situational awareness and failed to complete his landing checklist. Specifically, the MP, the mishap pilot, remained in manual mode when he should have been, and he thought he was, in an automated command mode designed to reduce pilot workload during landings. Now, the pilot on his first deployment is defined in the report as one of the top performing junior officers in Carrier Air Wing 2, with about 650 hours under his belt, of which 370 hours were in the F-35 Lightning II. Now, when the mishap happened, the pilot was returning from a routine four-hour mission with the call sign Jason 406, accompanied by another F-35C acting as the flight lead. While they were returning to the aircraft carrier, the pilot requested to perform the so-called well, for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to say Sierra Hotel break for the first time. Now, here's what uh, the aviationist editor, David Saniani, uh, wrote about the uh, Sierra Hotel break in a story of December 2022. Now, this break is the tight turn performed by an aircraft recovering aboard an aircraft carrier to enter the downwind leg of a traffic pattern, or a circuit as you guys call it over there in Europe. Generally speaking, based on the NATOPS manual, a standard approach would see the aircraft entering the traffic pattern at the initial, which is about three miles astern of the boat at 800 feet, wings level, paralleling the magnetic heading of the ship's uh, course. Now, it's worth noting that the final approach heading is not the same as the uh, the BRC because uh, the landing deck is angled off the direction of the, the, the boat, which way it's traveling. Now, the brake is usually performed as the aircraft overflies the deck for a or, or further upwind. But if the turn is carried out with extra speed or right at or slightly aft of the ship, then it's called a, well, Sierra Hotel brake. The SHB adds more stress on the pilot. As the landing becomes a little bit more difficult, there's little room to fix anything during the approach as this becomes a continuous 360 degree to the landing. Now, the report goes on detailing the events that led to the mishap. I'm kind of abbreviating it for the show, but Jason 406, the aircraft, uh, initiated the break while over the landing signal officers, the LSO's platform, with flight data showing 400 knots calibrated airspeed, a 7G break while in maximum afterburner. Now, the throttle was placed to idle 
after about 30 seconds from the break and was not moved again until 2.6 seconds prior to impact. Now, the mishap pilot explained that he was trying to avoid a wide approach pattern by maintaining his pull, aka, you know, keeping G's on the airplane in an attempt to get below 300 knots airspeed, uh, which is the landing gear extension speed limit for the F-35. Now, he described pulling the ship uh, to the nose at the 90 and then dropping the landing gear as he targeted the appropriate groove distance. After dropping the landing gear, the mishap pilot put down the arresting hook, but he could not recall selecting this mode called the APC. Now, the APC is one of two landing assist tools that the F-35 provides to assist pilots during a landing on an aircraft carrier. That's called the Approach Power Compensation Mode uh, and the Delta Flight Path, DFP. Now, when activated, the DFP automatically adjusts the throttle to keep the aircraft on the correct correct glide slope to land on the aircraft carrier while the APC or this power compensation mode maintains the aircraft's angle of attack. Now the mishap pilot did not remember selecting or confirming that he had selected APC for landing. That's according to the investigation. The pilot stated that he did not select the DFP because he was working hard to get the airplane slowed down to the optimum approach angle of attack on glide slope and on centerline. Now, in fact, the F-35 was actually flying the approach much faster than intended, adding to the stress of the high pace maneuver, and the pilot made some corrections to get that aircraft on back into the right flight parameters. Now, as the F-35C approached the optimum approach angle of attack and speed, the pilot attempted to add power by increasing the aft stick input and realizing that the jet was extremely underpowered as it kept slowing down and descending. The pilot first set the throttle to military power and then maximum afterburner once he realized that the aircraft was failing to climb. Basically, at this point, he realized it's not going to land and we're not in a good state and not a stable approach. However, the aircraft continued decelerating to a speed of approximately 120 knots calibrated airspeed and the AOA or the angle of attack increased to a 16 degrees before striking the ramp at about 120 knots and 21 degrees AOA. Now, as the investigation found out, the pilot became task saturated during the Sierra hotel break, and this led to the failure to follow the checklist and activate the landing assist tools, which in turn, in turn resulted in the wrong flight parameters for the final approach to the aircraft carrier. Now, as the aircraft impacted the flight deck, the missile rail on the left wing normally used to carry some AIM-9 missiles caught the wire and caused the aircraft to start a counterclockwise rotation. Now, this, according to the investigation, likely kept the wreckage from impacting other personnel and the equipment and other aircraft on the flight deck of the USS Carl Vinson, even though one other aircraft was, uh, I think, I believe it was a growler, was actually affected by some pieces flying off. Um, as we said, when the mishap happened, six people were injured during this mishap, including the pilot. Uh, the pilot was injured during the ejection. And afterwards, he was rescued by an MH-60 Seahawk helicopter that was on standby. Now, the F-35C wreckage was later recovered March 2nd, 2022 from a depth of approximately 12,400 feet. That is very deep in the ocean. So lessons to be learned from this. Uh, the pilot was uh, not negligent, uh, but other pilots can learn from this. And there were some leaked videos of this uh, this crash. I don't know that we're going to play them out, but uh, but Matt will probably have some pictures there, at least some some stills from uh, some of the leaked videos. 
Yes. I remember we actually featured this story, I think, in the military news uh, when that when that broke. I'm fairly sure we did feature this story in the military news when that when that actually happened. The one on the uh, the Carl Vincent USS Carl Vincent. Um, because there was a there was a leaked um, video that was taken on a mobile phone. I remember we we had that uh, on the show at the time, but uh, it's yeah, pilot error. See, it does happen. It does happen. Pilot error does yeah. happen. But when you but when you look at how advanced these these particular like the F thirty five is, you know, when you when you look on the flight, it's it's you know, it's even more, you know, technologically advanced than what this is behind me here the uh the dreamliner flight deck yeah and there's there's a lot to do you know even even though you've got separate um lc or um screens displaying information on there's still a lot to look at when you're operating a, a fighter jet like that and um yeah i say just bring back the spitfire and hurricane <laughs> makes things a lot easier Right. Okay. Stick, Stick and, and rudder. rudder. Exactly, yes. John. Very true. Stick, Stick and, rudder. and rudder. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So that's the military news for this week. Big thanks to Armando for putting all those audio bits together for us this week. And it's time for our weekly look at the caption this just for fun. <laughs> it's safe to say that this week's picture did spark some interest in the social media platforms. And uh, there's been a few comments and... Uh, um, Nev, for the benefit of our audio listeners, could you explain what's going on in the picture, which Matt will pop up on the screen in a moment. For those of you in the YouTube uh, viewing area, you'll be able to see the picture if you missed it on our Facebook page this week. So, Nev, what's going on here? Yes, the rather um, rotund gentleman uh, in the middle seat of a seat of, of a set of three seats on an airline, uh, looking very pleased with himself. But uh, the fellow on his right is struggling with his uh, laptop, and the lady on his left is a bit squashed up against the window. Um, but um, he's clearly having a good time. He's as uh, Eddie somewhere or other, isn't it? Isn't he? What, he the world's strongest man at one point. If my memory serves, oh, I, I, I yeah. recognise the face. Oh, I didn't know that. Ah, oh, right. yeah. Uh, I, I certainly I don't, wouldn't I don't want think to mess you were with upset. Him. Oh, no, no, I was going to no. say you don't no. need to worry about your Indeed, indeed. Anyway, we've got some fantastic. We have captions. Uh, I'm still having some problems in the studio here, so I won't be able to see the show notes. I'm afraid. Okay, just warning you. So it's between you two guys. Right, Nev. Uh, I'll kick things off with the first one this week, which is from. Nicholas. Nicholas is saying, shortly after this photo was taken, Sir Neville was seen to, uh, to turn a fetching shade of green, having been refused C1A. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John says, following Alaska Air uh, tail strikes, the company have taken drastic measures to move the centre of gravity. <laughs> uh, Armando, no idea who that chap is, Some he guy. says, Skyjet flight attendant says... Ladies and gentlemen, in accordance with recent changes in regulations, our aircraft is equipped with antisocial behaviour assurance systems. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would behave myself. That's a guarantee. Yes. Uh, the other John says, Tommy was so proud of how he dominated the space. And our, this, this is quite a good one. This is a very important one. Uh, Steve says, we really need to get that Antonov rebuilt ASAP. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. Uh, James says weight restrictions are a thing of the past and the smile on our passengers' face is a direct result of this change. Welcome to Mesa Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Those are US listeners, you'll know what that's about. Yeah. Uh, Mark says, 
This is this is good. I like this one. Mark says, "Wide body, in a narrow body." <laughs> okay, that's my favourite now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack says, "Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be serving plenty of nipples. I mean nipples. Oh my! <laughs> and a variety of ink. I mean drinks." Uh, for your enjoyment on board our flight this afternoon. You didn't flinch our once there, Nev. I'm very impressed. <laughs> of arrival is 3pm. Very good, Jack. Oh, very good, Jack. Uh, James G uh, says, how to make a 737 look like a Cessna. Very true. Yeah. If you've sat in a 150 uh, next it's to someone, cozy, that's it? like, it's cozy, yeah. Yeah. In fact, you do end up overlapping elbows and arms slightly, don't you? <laughs> yes, you do, yeah. Yes, mm. um, but, uh, and uh, finally, uh, Ian says, who needs to pay for priority boarding? Quite, absolutely. <laughs> Just do as you're told. Uh, OK, we've got some from the chat room here then. Richard Adams <laughs> is saying, Virgin's new uniform policy has resulted in heavier built cabin crew than they had previously. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what. If you had crew like him on the flight, well, there'd be no you, fights. You, we wouldn't, no. we wouldn't have any jet no. two stories. We no. wouldn't have any, any stories about passengers kicking off no, on flights. No, that's true. Uh, Richard Adams is offer, also offering. Well, you did ask for a laptop seat. <laughs> mm. I mean, he does look very comfy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm beginning to wonder if it, it's a uh, staged photograph, because I'm quite sure that Eddie wouldn't be in cattle class. That I am my, fairly sure. My of. only concern is, and I know this is, this, this is a, a concern of many passengers these days, who's got the armrest? Who, who's got the who's armrest? Or more it? importantly, where is it? <laughs> where is the armrest? Yeah, I think I think perhaps he sh he should have. Maybe had that's it. why he looks so happy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he he should have he should have had he should have had the uh, the jump seat. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> so that is our captionist for this week. Big thanks to everyone who contributed to that. Don't forget to check out our social medias. More info on that at the end of the show uh, for when uh, we are going to post a picture. Normally on a Wednesday, we'll post a picture on our Facebook page uh, for you to all comment on and leave your witty uh, comments on. We try and pick a good picture each week uh, for you to comment on. It's uh, it's proved to be quite a popular thing. So check out next Wednesday. Around the morning here in the UK, I try and put that on on the site. So uh, keep your eyes on our social medias. Now we had this weekend just gone on Saturday. We had a big get together here at PTUK. Me, Nev, Matt, and Armando, and got together. And uh, we didn't let John in because um, he does far <laughs> too much work. We can't. We kind of. We kind of. We 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 said to John, "Have a day off, John. We'll have a day off." I mean, John was flying in his defence. Otherwise, he was flying. He was flying. There, I think. But we had a get together here at, uh, at my at my uh, house here in the rural mm. Bungie in Suffolk, just down the road from Matt, and we had a good little get together and chat about what we're going to be doing this year on the show in regards to air shows and meetups. We had a good discussion. We uh, got a few things sorted out, and Nev. You are going to tell our listeners exactly what we are planning on doing this year. Make sure you get your pen and pencil handy and pop these in your diaries if you're listening. Yes, we'll also put this in the show notes as well, I think, so that you can see where we're going to be. Uh, we've got some, um, some air shows that we're going to be doing this year, and we've got a meet-up planned as well. So let's start. Uh, we're only going to do this when the weather's nice, we've decided. That's the other thing. And also, because all of us are actually quite busy at certain times this year, we, we've managed to find some dates where we can all get together. So the 11th of June, we are going to be at RAF Cosford. 
for their air show. So put that in your diary. That's uh, I've been to Cosford with Nick uh, previously for one of his talks, but I've never been to the air show there, so I'm looking forward to that. The 9th of July, it's the Wings and Wheels Day at the Norwich Aviation Museum. Now, if uh, you recall, that was the home of our 100th show. Uh, that was a very... Uh, in fact, just at the time when I started listening to... Uh, PTUK when I was a mere listener and I uh, really enjoyed that actually. that was good um, 14th of September we are going back to the Jersey International Air Display we had such a great time there in St Helier uh, last time out uh, we're going to do it again this year um, and uh, um, I think there's lots of lots of good things planned for that. We're going to have a chat with the organisers a bit close to the time. And for the meetup itself, uh, put this in your diary. It's the 17th of September. We'll be at the Battle of Britain Air Show at Duxford. Always a popular venue, so we'd like to do a, a meetup there. Um, and we'll give you more details near the time. Won't be sort of one of those sort of big plan things, but certainly, um, you know, we'll we'll get together. We'll there. be there basically. We'll so if you some, want to come and join have us, have some yeah, food and yeah. drink between us, and it'll it'll be nice. But um, yeah, so those are the dates: 11th of June at RAF Cosford, 9th of July at Norwich at the Wings and Wheels Day, 14th of September Jersey International Air Display, and the 17th of September Battle of Britain Air Show at Duxford look forward to seeing as many people there as possible and there is a little secret um operation that's taking place sort of behind the scenes isn't there that we were talking about um of which well, we can't talk about that well we can't talk about that so no. uh, yeah there's a there's a very cool little secret project that's going on behind the scenes as well which i can't wait to share with you all because it's going to be an awful lot of fun mm -hmm. yeah we've got some good stuff planned for this year and as nev said hopefully as many of you can make it over to Duxford for our for our sort of summer meetup on the 17th of September over at Duxford uh, tickets are on sale for that air show online if you've not got your tickets or if you're like me and Matt and you have your uh, friends of uh, the, was it the friends of Duxford um, yes we've got our membership um, memberships um, yeah. yeah you you get a reduced uh, rate on tickets for the air shows but yeah yeah tickets are available to book for that and also Tickets are available to book for the Cosford Air Show as well, and uh, you can buy those online as well. And uh, hopefully that will be quite a big one for us because we've not done the Cosford Air Show uh, at PTUK uh, since we've been going. So it's going to be our first time there at Cosford, and uh, both me, Matt, and Nev uh, will be in attendance at Cosford on the 11th of June. So mm. it should be a great day there as well, and it's all hosted by the Royal Air Force as well, so it's going to be a really good display there. Mm. And uh, I must say, Nev, you said it earlier, I am very much looking forward to our trip over to uh, Jersey for the air show in September on the 14th. Yes, very much so. We had a great time last time out and they, uh, we could not have had better hospitality. Uh, they were absolutely very accommodating. So we're going to be in touch with them again soon and see what they've got planned. Uh, yeah, we've got our flights booked and our hotel booked. So we're looking yep. forward to uh, going back to the island once again this year <laughs> yeah we certainly will i will put those dates on our social media page uh when i get a chance i'll put those on there for those of you listening to the audio show uh, that may not have uh, heard them well and it'll be in the notes as well them down. and it'll be on the show notes for the show as well mm -hmm. so there we go loads of stuff happening good i can't wait to see all you amazing listeners at the uh, at the shows and the meetups when we are out and about and you can't miss us because 
you know, we'll have our PTUK um, bits <laughs> and bobs on as well. Indeed. So, yeah. So, social media links. Nev, for the benefit of those who may not know, who might not know where we are on social media, where can everyone find us on the, uh, the social medias? Yeah, look at uh, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and you can search for Plain Talking UK. Uh, our WhatsApp number, plus 44-757-2249166. That's plus 44-757-2249166. You can email the show, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and the website is all the W's, plaintalkinguk.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, of course, and you'll get notifications when we go live and there's obviously our chat room which you can see in there as well for those of you that are live at the moment just go to youtube.com search for plain talking uk if like carlos you do a lot of your shopping with amazon uh, you can uh, go to the amazon uh, sorry go to our uh, website and you'll find there's a link to amazon shopping on there we get a small referral fee if you want to do it through that method uh, also you can become a patreon as well uh, uh, or by paying us by paypal for um helping us keep the the studio costs going and you know the usual running costs that we have by d d doing a podcast like this uh, so that's available on uh, patreon or paypal on our website plaintalkinguk.com yeah and uh, quick round rob before we finish we've got a few minutes uh, nev what are you up to next week because i know you're getting back on the old uh, 1a yes uh, yes, although there's only 3F available at the moment. So, <gasps> uh, so I'm just going to, perhaps we'll get nearer to the time. But uh, yeah, Wednesday I'm off to Edinburgh for three days. I will not be on the show, unfortunately, on Friday because I should Ooh. be quite late. Right in the middle of the rush hour traffic uh, at Heathrow and therefore the M25, which will be highly boring. So um, I won't see you next week, but uh, I should be doing some flying uh, on, the, on the BA Metal as always. <laughs> Matt, quiet. what's going on in the world of Smith next week? Uh, not a lot, really. Fairly quiet week. And, uh, yeah, just sort of on the phones this week. That's uh, this week coming. So uh, if you phone Naked Wines, um, you might be terribly unlucky and get me because <laughs> I'll be about as much used to you as a chocolate teapot. But I will at least be there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it, really. Not, not really much. Uh, and probably a bit of radio somewhere in there as well. So, Excellent. And I shall be driving around Monday. I'll be in the countryside, doing a bit of countryside driving, local stuff on Monday. I'm quite looking forward to that because I do like it. I'm going around Ed Sheeran country, Matt. Oh, right. Very good. Yes. Well yeah, we're yeah. looking forward to that. So that's it. So we're going to bring episode 446 to a close. Big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the, in the YouTube chat room this evening. Thanks to everyone in there uh, for joining us on this Friday night. Don't forget to join us next Friday, 7 o'clock here on YouTube for the our next show, episode 447. And a big thanks as well, not forgetting everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast each week. Thanks to all you guys and girls out there who listen to us through your various podcast players each week. And don't forget, while you're there, if you get a spare five minutes, just leave us a little review on the podcast sites as it does give us a little boost on the old uh, charts as such. So, yeah, that's what we're going to bring 446 to a close. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend, whatever you're up to uh, around the world. So from me, Carlos, here in the home studio in my Udi, very warm, I will say, <laughs> from Nev in his glorious studio in Buckinghamshire and from Matt in his home studio in the PTUK Master Suites, just across the village there a few roads away have a great weekend take care everyone we'll see you next friday bye everyone bye-bye